Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. <coughs> Welcome to Breakfast in the Class, Pesach edition. Mo'adim l'simcha, hagim, uzmanim l'sesson. Okay. I hope you all had a beautiful holiday, all three days of it. I hope you had a beautiful uh, seder. Uh, and you managed to infuse it with all the right uh, spiritual uh, gifts. <clears throat> Today's breakfast in class is dedicated for speedy and complete refuah of Rabbani Hana Farchi Hana Batsima Fega and uh, Eliyahu Shimon Ben Mazafutun Rabbi Eli Abadi. Dedicated loving memory of Ms. Lily Safalir Shmatliya Batchana. Her philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. And finally, loving memory of Akram Darwish, the Lunishmat Avram Ben Salcha, sponsored by his son. Charles Darwish. Okay, let's begin. I wanted to share something short with you. My throat is not going to allow for that much more. But I wanted to share something short with you for the holiday. We know that there are famously four different galuyot, four different uh, sojournings, exiles, that the Jewish people go through. Do we know what the four exiles are called? Arba galuyot, what are they called? Huh? No, that's the Lishonot of Geulah. Good. Yavan, Yavan, Bavel, Parasumadai, and Edom. Those are the four. Okay? One more time. Greece, Rome, Persia Media, and, uh, and Edom. Okay? Uh, and, and so again, Yavan, Bavel, Parasumadai and Edom. Those, those are the four. Edom is Rome, but the continual uh, exile that we've been in, in Rome, is even till today, we are currently in Galut Edom. And a lot has been written about each of the four Galuyot, of the four exiles. And the commentators ask a very powerful question. How is it that Galut Mitzrayim, the very first exile, is not part of the Galuyot? Why don't we say that there are five galuyot, that there are five exiles? Very powerful question. And I want to share today a little bit about the understanding of what that means. Your Torah tells us again and again and again and again, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. I want you to remember the fact that you left Egypt. Very important. In fact, not only does God tell you, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim, I want you to put on tefillin, that you remember Egypt. I want you to do this, Peter Hamor, Bechor, for remember Egypt. All these things remember Egypt. I want to share with you something even stranger. In the beginning of the Ten Commandments, God stands the Jewish people around the mouth and He wants them to take, receive His Torah. <coughs> he wants them to understand that He's the only power in the world and there's no other God. And God opens up the Aseret Debrot by saying, Anochi. Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem your God. Asher Hoseticha Eretz Yisraim. I am Hashem your God that took you out of Egypt. Why in the world would God introduce himself in a mitzvah which is about recognizing that there is only one power, that there's only one creator? Why would God say, I am God that took you out of Egypt? He should say, I am God that created heaven and earth. Very powerful question. 
Now some would say, look, you know, God wanted them to have something that they could actually put their finger on and believe in from their own perspective. They witnessed God take them out of Egypt. They did not witness God creating the universe. They weren't there. That had happened uh, thousands of years before they, before they were born. So there are different answers to this question. But I want to share with you, I think, an answer that I, uh, <coughs> I'd wager <coughs> is uh, something that you'll find interesting, maybe even powerful in your own life. The Maharal and others explain that the reason why Egypt is not counted amongst the four Galuyot is because it is like the mother of all Galuyot. Some of you will remember Saddam Hussein calling it the mother of all wars, which prompted a slew of jokes about the mother of all fried eggs, the mother of all whoppers, the mother of all. But what does it mean when we call it the mother of all Galuyot? What does that mean? Each Galut had a different flavor and therefore a different challenge and therefore a different antidote. As an example, the Galut of Yavan revolved around uh, wisdom uh, disanchored, okay? Disanchored from godliness and spirituality. That was the, the concept of Yavan. The the self-idolization of the Greeks made the human being the pinnacle not just of creation of this world but of all of the universe including God the gods so to speak were there to serve the Greeks okay you're the, you're the power of this force and you bring me X etc etc my friends Rome had a different element Parasumadai with the, uh, the debasing uh, subjugation of the body to its whims, to food and drink and, and desire. That was the god of, of, uh, of uh, Parasu Madai. So each generation, each Galut, had its particular flavor, its particular challenge. And in order to leave that challenge, we needed to beat that, that game and get out of it and find redemption. But in Egypt, there was something that I think is much more powerful. And that is that it was the mother of all galiot, of all exiles. Interesting that the language that's used by our uh, rabbis is that when God came to take us out of Egypt, it was like taking out a baby from its mother's womb. That's how it's described. And what are we really trying to communicate? What are we really trying to say? Effectively, in Egypt, we had and we faced the largest challenge of all. You see, each Galut celebrated, or excuse me, or challenged us in a specific way. But in Egypt, we were faced with the ultimate challenge, which is that we were an Ubar, that we were a, 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 a fetus, in its mother's womb. The Jewish people in Egypt had no agency. There was no ability for them to think for themselves, for them to act for themselves. The idea that we were slaves in Egypt goes far beyond the concept that we were being told what to build and how to work and beaten if we didn't get it done. 
but that we were slaves to the mentality of Egypt. What Egypt told us, we believed. When the Egyptians told us that we could not leave Egypt because they'd placed a spell on us, we believed that we could not leave Egypt. And we were as trapped there as if we would actually have been locked into a cell uh, with the key thrown away. It was impossible in the Jews' minds that they could ever leave. They could not fathom such a concept. Leaving or diminishing even. The will of the Egyptians over the, over the Jews was something that was impossible for them to even think. And that's why it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu came to them with freedom, he told them that, guys, I'm going to get you out of here. What does it say? And they did not listen to Moshe. From an inability to breathe, from the difficult work. You know, most people think about that. They think, okay, they were working hard. They couldn't listen to Moshe. It's telling you a much more fundamental thing. It's telling you that when someone keeps you, when is a person short of breath? When they're running, right? You ever try and run for a little while? You have to catch your breath, right? Can't breathe properly. <laughs> You're doing that? The Egyptians kept the Jews running, working, moving, to the point where they didn't have a chance to think. They couldn't stop for one second and realize where they were, uh, that there could be another way, that they could maybe get out of this place. Keep someone busy, you'll keep them trapped. Now it doesn't matter, by the way, that we find this in Egypt with regards to slave work, or if you find it with regards to golden handcuffs. You familiar with this idea? What are golden handcuffs? How do we use that terminology today in the business world? What does that mean? Excellent. The, the boss, the job gives you such a high salary that you can't leave. Because in your mind, there's no other place I'm going to get this salary. So I could really open up my own office. But what would that mean? That would mean that I would need to be paying bills and paying other people and doing other things. Right? Meanwhile, so in this salary, I'm a worker and I'm making $250,000. If I own my own office, how much could I make? Who knows? I heard this hedge fund guy bought an apartment for $250 million. Right? You could potentially make, you know, 100x if you opened up your own place. But what does your brain tell you? I can't do that. It's not safe to do that. It's risky to do that. So the salary becomes the person's golden handcuffs. They, you're locked in. They might be gold, but they're locking you in, right? The challenge of Egypt was the mother of all Galuyot. You know why? Because in order to be able to deal with any problem on earth, the first thing a person needs to be able to break out of is the fact that they can make up their own mind. That you think for you that you are capable of stopping, slowing down time, analyzing your decisions, even decisions that are very hard to have to turn around or think through again. It's painful even to think that I'm going to be thinking through that decision again. 
A lot of times you have this in people's marriages. A person should put in every effort that they can to keep a marriage going. They should do everything that they can. Make every compromise. Do everything. But some people are in marriages that they shouldn't be in. Far too long. And you know why? Because contemplating that this was a mistake, contemplating the idea of divorce is so painful. And I have so much invested that I'm not even willing to think. I'm not even willing to think of that process. Again, I'm not encouraging anyone to do this. That's the last thing we need is someone encouraging. But can we all agree that there are some people that should not be married? And why are they still married? Oftentimes, not for the right reasons, not because they're still trying to give it a go, they're not even being nice to each other. They're not working on it. They're not going to therapy. They're not uh, speaking to a guidance counselor. They're not studying books or going to classes on Shalom Bayit. They're torturing one another. Why are they doing that? Because the idea of going back on that idea is so hard. So before we could talk about whether or not you agree or disagree, whether you could fight your way out of Yavan or Rome or Parasu Madai, right, or Bavel, these different galiot, these different exiles, the Jewish subconscious, the Jewish collective has to go through and conquer. The first thing we have to realize is that we are not a fetus in the mother, in the mother's stomach. The fetus completely relies on its mother for everything. And at that point, our information, our perspective, we were getting it through an umbilical cord from the Egyptians. So many times you find that in society today. Person's trying to live a Jewish life, but they struggle to understand that this is something that they need to do. Why? Because they, they've, through osmosis, have adopted their worldview, the way they see everything. Leaving Egypt means thinking for yourself. Leaving Egypt means making choices that are difficult, that seem risky, but that I know that I need to or I have to make because I can see that I, I have to get out of this place. Therefore, Mitzrayim is literally the mother of all Galuyot. Until you left Egypt, the other four are not relevant. And they don't sit on the same plane as this one. Let me give you an example for this idea. Let's imagine for a minute, you have a child where the child is born with a very, very difficult condition, where the brain is disconnected from the rest of the organs of the body. Could you imagine uh, a person living like that would have a very short lifetime, right? The brain is not telling the heart to pump, the, li you know, the liver to clean, the kidneys to filter, you know, the, uh, the stomach to process. It's not doing any of the bodily functions. So could you imagine a surgeon trying to fix the heart, the stomach, the liver, the kidneys? You tell that doctor, fool, all you need to do is connect, is plug in the brain, and then the brain will take care of those things. The challenge of Egypt, above and beyond every other galut, is the recognition that we had the ability to choose for ourselves something else. And even though we are so busy and we're running 
and life is taking us and taking us and taking us and taking us and taking us, what should we do? What's the response? We mentioned on the holiday that we break the middle matzah. The matzahs are round, signifying the circle of life, the flow, the continuum. And what do we do on Pesach? We break that continuum in half. And sometimes that's what needs to happen. A person needs to break something in half. We need to stop motion. We need to stop, take some time, take a day off, go on vacation, think it through, come up with another plan. But the idea that you could, you could choose another road. I must, I must share, with, share this with you. You know, some people had the luxury during COVID of being able to ride out all of COVID on their savings. Some people had an SBA loan. Some people had this, this PPP, I don't know, whatever, my body. Some people had that luxury. Some people were in a job where they were paying them to work from home. But some people's jobs were directly dependent, right, on non-COVID life. You can imagine that a guy who sells suits and ties is not going to do as well, you know, during COVID. Anyone selling anything below the waist, pants, you know, when it was not COVID, were not a popular item because you could get away with wearing shorts even when you had to be on uh, at a business meeting, okay? There were jobs that people during COVID, they didn't have life savings. So what did they do? They started selling masks or Purell or something else. They figured out how to pivot. Now here's the thing I want to point out to you. If you work in sales and you sell washing machines, there's no reason in the world why you can't also sell dryers or microwaves or cars or houses, potentially. If you have the gift of being able to sell you can listen to what the client is saying. You can understand their needs. You can respond. You have a, a, an air of trust about you. And if someone will buy something from you, then they'll buy something else from you too. The concept of being a person in sales is transferable. And yet, there were some people who picked up their skills from one area and shifted it very easily to another area. And some people who didn't. What's the difference? Between those two people. This person could fathom that he could do something else, that he could make another choice, that there could be another way. This person experienced what we're talking about here when we talk about leaving Misraim. The other Galuyot, my friends, are variations of a theme. Uh, do you want to, are you going to get caught up in this or not? You're going to get caught up in that or not? Do you want to make the right decision? About but the idea that you can make decisions, that came to us, my friends, in Mitzrayim. And I want to share with you a powerful idea about why this is so important, and we'll, with that we'll end. The words matzah and chametz hide within them a very powerful uh, reality. You know, the nature of matzah, its root is shared with the word, right? Motzi or mamzi, right? That Hakadosh Baruch Hu created the world. That from nothing you created something. 
It happens in a, in a, in a blink, in a very in a short amount of time. The idea of chametz, my friends, is exactly the opposite. It's that there's something that just stays around for an extended period of time. There are two worldviews that were fighting uh, in the attention of, of the world at that time. The vast majority of the people believed in chametz. They were living a chametz existence. That what was will be. That which is old stays in its state. It rises, it carries on. There's nothing being acted upon it. Masha'en ken matzah. The Jewish people in leaving Egypt, they ate another existence. They became something else. They became a people of matzah, of mamtzi, that God creates something new. Every minute of existence, God is mehadesh bitubo bechol yom tabid. He's creating and recreating and recreating the world every single second. My friends, if that is the case, then you understand what God was telling the Jews. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem your God. Asher hotzeticha me'eretz Mitzrayim. I'm not the God that created the world and then left it to rot or to rise by itself. I'm a God who is ever present. I fed you matzah when you left Egypt. You saw how every natural process in the world I hit pause on it, and I did exactly the opposite. The water that turns to blood, the lice that go to places, the animals that are risking their lives, the frogs jumping in the oven, nothing, none of it made sense. In every which way, we were taught in the story of Egypt that the person that creates is also the person that can change creation. What did we learn in Mitzrayim? That creating a new self is possible. That things don't have to be the same. That I can change and I can evolve and I can become better and I can think of myself in another way. You know why? Because my old existence doesn't say anything about my future existence. I always quote the line they used to have to say at the end of every financial ad. Past performance does not indicate future results. My friends, that's what we learned in Misraim. Past performance does not indicate future results. It was when the Jewish people had a chance to rest for a minute that they were shaken out of this reverie, that this life was the life that they had to have, that the anxiousness and the stress of your job and working for a terrible boss in a bad office that doesn't allow you to leave on time for Shabbat, you have to fight every week with co-workers that make fun of you because you have kosher food, it doesn't have to stay that way. In your current situation, you will believe that there's only one path, the one you're on. But take a break for a minute, stop the Kotze Ruach, Avodakasha Marathon, and you'll see the opportunity to recreate yourself is there. That's what we learned in Egypt. So when we went to every other Galut, and Yavan said, you have no choice. We conquered you. We took you over. You have to be like us. What the Jewish people say? Like they say in Israel. We, we were in this movie. We saw this movie already. I watched this one. 
I know how this works. I don't have to do what you do. You're not the boss of me. Wild. That's why Egypt is the mother of all Galuyot. But on the other hand, we are the opposite. We own every Galut. Only if we take Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim with us. So for every single problem that we have in our lives, the antidote, the solution is Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. Isn't that wild? And that's what God says to us in Aserta Debrot, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem your God. And therefore, once you process that, the first one of the commandments leads, flows directly into the second. You're in a situation, you're stuck, ask yourself, God can't change the situation? No, and even Hashem can't. The boss and the this and the that, the co-worker and the medicine and the... What are you talking about? God could turn the water to blood. God could blot out the sun if he wants. God could make every firstborn die on the spot, which also means he can make every firstborn live on the spot. Everything and anything and everything is in his hands. And the minute a person understands that properly, there's no other power and there's no other force that can exert itself over you. Uh, to be able to stop you from doing the right thing. Hashem should bless us to always find in our possibilities the concept of, uh, of recreation. My friends, and I'll throw this last curveball at you, and that's why we are given the mitzvah of hachodesh hazeh lachem in Egypt. Why'd God do that? What day did we leave? What day did we leave in Egypt? Anyone remember? The 14th day of the month. Correct? Why does God give them Achodesh Hazelachem at that point? Why doesn't God give them that mitzvah on Mount Sinai? Now, I understand the mitzvah of Korban Pesach. They had to do it then. I understand the mitzvah of Peter Bechor. Why? They had to do that then. I even understand the mitzvah of Tefillin because it says about Yitziat Mitzrayim in the Tefillin. But why the mitzvah of Kiddush Achodesh? Because that is also the essence of Kiddush HaChodesh. The process of waxing and waning and recreation was something that was, it was part and parcel of the leaving Egypt experience. Hashem bless us always to see our way out. Zecher, Litziat, Mitzrayim. Baruch Adonai, Olam.